How would you know? As you've already heard, the, the theme of our series for this month is, Lord, increase our faith. Well, we've got a nice little graphic on the front of the service folder. It's a nice, catchy little theme. Sounds like the kind of churchy theme that we should have, right? There's a nice little bumper video, very well done in the emails that I've been sending out. A lot of professional, good, good graphics and things to accompany this, this theme. But how, at the end of the day, do you know if your faith has been increased, if someone's faith is any different than, than where it was a year ago, three years ago, five, ten years ago? How do you know? Specifically, how do you know whether or not your faith has increased? Well, you're different. What do, mean, what do we mean when we say that, that you're different? Well, just as it sounds, you, you act differently. You speak differently. You don't act or speak the way that you used to if you have changed. If you have grown in your faith, you are going to look different and act differently. See, it's not like we, we have some sort of a, a meter that is going to serve as a gauge to help us indicate uh, whether or not our faith is increasing, growing, or if it's shrinking. Although it would be pretty nice if we had, like you do on your screens, your phone, the little battery icon that lets you know how much battery you have left. If there was one of those in each of us that would say, this is where your faith is at. Uh-oh, it's shrinking. Uh-oh, it's dwindling. Or, oh, it's growing. Keep it up. As cool as that might be to have that or a widget or an app that would indicate it, we don't. So how do we know, how do we tell if somebody's faith is growing? Well, they, they change. They look and they act and they speak differently in their living. And I point that out because I want you to realize there's going to be a little bit of tension throughout this series. And the tension comes from this, because God's Word stresses very clearly that the only way that a person is saved is through faith in Jesus alone. It is not our efforts, it's not our obedience, it's not our righteousness, it's not our good works that save us. And yet, it is our efforts, it is our obedience, it is our righteousness, it is our good works that serve as a metric that indicates whether or not we are growing in our Christian faith. So yes, faith alone is always and only what saves us. But it is the things that we do that indicate if we are growing in our faith. And as you heard in the Gospel this morning, Jesus challenges us with three very difficult things to do as Christians. And the first one he lays out to us right in the beginning of our section from Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. Jesus knows that we're in a fallen world. He knows that sin is going to be prevalent. And yet he warns you and me, not only his disciples that he was speaking to then, but his disciples today, don't you be the cause 
of somebody else stumbling in sin. And how serious is he about this? Well, when he's talking about hanging around a, a millstone around your neck to sink to the bottom of the sea rather than causing somebody to sin, I think Jesus is saying sin is pretty serious. And I don't know that we always treat it as such. In fact, we get pretty good at minimizing or downplaying our sin, don't we? In fact, we get so comfortable with it sometimes that we may not even realize that, that we're directly or indirectly causing other people to sin. See, when that, that line between an occasional drink and drunkenness becomes blurred and I'm inviting others to engage in that sin, Jesus holds out to you the option of a millstone instead. When we tend to diminish or minimize a little thing, like sharing passwords and subscription services, because who wants to pay for all of those, and, and stealing from those companies, right there is Jesus holding out the millstone as another option. You see how, how tempted we are to think that these sins don't matter, and yet Jesus says they, they matter very, very much. I would rather you hang this millstone around your neck and drown than be guilty of causing somebody else to sin. And it's when we realize how serious Jesus is about sin and how serious we ought to be that the next very difficult thing that he calls us to do really makes a little bit more sense. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. As if it's not hard enough just to, to watch ourselves in sin, to guard against causing others to stumble in sin. Then he says, oh, and also when you see sin, be sure to point it out. Rebuke it in others. And this, this word here is simply a, a patient, loving call to repentance. But why is this so difficult for us to rebuke sin when we see it? Well, it, it can be because we either fall into the camp of relishing that rebuke, or sometimes we, we altogether ignore, we refuse the rebuke. We relish that rebuke when we put on our, our detective cap and we pretend that we are spiritual sleuths that God has called us to go around policing everybody else just for the specific purpose of, of finding sin and calling sin out in others because we enjoy doing so, not because we actually care about their spiritual health or their soul, but because we delight, we relish the opportunity to point out the sins in others. Or, I suppose, the other end, before we get to that, realize that if, if you fall into that camp, and we all do from time to time, that if I actually rejoice, if I delight, if I relish in the opportunity to point out other people's sins to them, that is indicative of a much bigger spiritual problem in your own hearts than, than what you have to worry about in anybody else. But the other danger, the other difficulty in, in following through with this, this words uh, of Jesus to rebuke others is that we, we ignore it. We refuse to because we're more concerned about, about ourselves. We, we worry about, well, what if somebody categorizes us as a hypocrite or judgmental. We don't want to be labeled at that, so it's easier to just say nothing and don't address the sin whatsoever. Or we're worried that if, if we call out that sin, if we call somebody to repentance or rebuke them, that it might tarnish the relationship that we have with them. 
Which is kind of silly because if you think about it, it's not your rebuke of the sin that has soured or damaged the relationship. It's that person's sin that has already soured or damaged the relationship. The rebuke is the thing that's going to heal it and bring about reconciliation. And if it makes it worse, then again, that is a far greater concern spiritually of the other person. So you realize already we've only gotten to the two of the three things that Jesus calls us to do in putting our faith into practice, to watch out that we don't cause others to sin and then rebuke them when they do. But wait, there's more. We haven't even gotten to the most difficult one yet. As Jesus continues, he says that when your brother or sister sins against you and you rebuke them, if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So you can go back and and read that over the course of the, the week or you can glance at it right now and just count in those words of Jesus the number of conditions that Jesus attached to that call to forgive others when they sin against you. I could give you a little bit of time to, to count up all those conditions. And, and when, you, when you total them up, if you have zero, then you count it correctly. Because there are zero conditions that Jesus attaches to forgiving others. None whatsoever. So in other words, if somebody sins against you, no matter how many times a day, and then repents to you no matter how many times a day, your number of times that you have forgiven them should equal the number of times that they've sinned and repented against you. Period. End of story. Easy thing to do? No. Absolutely challenging for us to do. Which helps us understand the disciples' response in all three of these challenges. Don't cause others to sin, rebuke them, and then forgive them when they do sin. Their response is one that we totally would expect. As they listen to Jesus in verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. That makes perfect sense. They realize we can't do that. This is not natural for us. This goes against the grain. We can't find anything in ourselves that's able to do that. And they show a couple of things. They, they show that there's a room for them to grow in their faith. And they also show in asking Jesus that he's the one that grants that increase of faith. So they say, do it for us, Jesus. Increase our faith. And certainly a request that would be appropriate for us as well as we consider the challenge of putting these three, these three urgings from Jesus into practice in our day-to-day lives. And sometimes we do. We say, Lord, increase my faith because this is tough. But a lot of times we don't. A lot of times we don't. You know why? Because we don't want to because it's hard, because it's challenging, because it's a struggle. And we convince ourselves, that's not the part of Christianity that I signed up for, Jesus. I committed to showing up a few times over the course of the year on Sunday morning, but you asked me to do more than that. I'm not really that interested because that's really tough stuff. And so how many Christians do you know in the past year, past three years, past five years, ten years, and more, who are pretty much right where they were. And if you don't know any of them, maybe it's because you're the one. 
has been far too comfortable staying right where you're at in your faith. Instead, let us follow in the disciples' footsteps and ask as they did, Lord, increase my faith. Were you surprised by Jesus' response? You might expect a loving Savior to say, okay, that's all I was waiting for. You asked for it, you got it. And boom, just like that, he levels up their faith. But that wasn't his response, as you know. In fact, his response was rather, rather cryptic. In verse 6, he replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Wait, what? Increase our faith, and instead of talking about a, a strong, vibrant, big oak tree or something like that, increasing our faith, Jesus responds by talking about a, an itty-bitty, tiny little mustard seed and some weird picture about uprooting a, a mulberry tree and planting it in the sea. Jesus, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with increasing our faith? One of the roles that I enjoy as a, a dad is, is getting to clean up the extra leftovers on your kids' plates. And as they get a little bit older, that doesn't happen quite as often. But it's still a pretty good gig when you get to. But what I don't have a lot of patience for is when the reason for those leftovers is because one of my kids has, has asked for more right from the outside before they even finished what was on their plate. Yeah, sometimes leftovers are there because they didn't enjoy the food or they didn't want to eat their vegetables. But other times, they demand more. They insist on, on a bigger portion. And then there it sits after their stomachs are full and they're not able to eat it all. And dad has to clean it up. Why would they ask for more if they aren't even able to finish what they've already been given? And Jesus' response illustrates the same thing. Asking for more faith when you aren't even putting to use the faith that you have kind of misses the point. Jesus' point this morning is rather than focusing on, Lord, this is a really tough thing. Give me more faith so that I can do it. Jesus is saying, no, baloney, you already have faith. And if you have faith, you are able to do that. Stop asking for more and use what I've already given you. And actually, this, this fits in perfectly with good confessional Lutheran biblical theology. Why? Because we know that the measure of our faith is not based on how big or small it is, but on the object of our faith, Jesus Christ. Your faith is not great because it's bigger than somebody else's who is small. Your faith is great because Jesus, the object of your faith, is great. Because Jesus already did everything that is necessary for your salvation. Because the very three things that Jesus challenges us with this morning, he carried all of them out flawlessly. Never once caused anybody else to stumble in, in sin throughout his life and ministry. Didn't hesitate to rebuke or call out sin when he saw it for the right reason, because he cared about eternal salvation of souls. And never withheld forgiveness from those who repented even those who were nailing him to the cross. Jesus already took care of everything by his perfect life, his innocent death, and his victorious resurrection. It's all done, and he says, if you have a faith in me, tiny, 
minute size, mustard seed size faith, but it's in me, then it's sufficient. Put it to work. Work with what you've got. Healthy things grow. If we aren't willing to grow, then, it, then we have to ask ourselves, how, how healthy am I spiritually? How much am I, I putting my faith that Jesus has gifted me with to work? So let's let that be the takeaway today. Look for the opportunities that Jesus gives you to put the faith that you have right now to work right now. Rather than waiting, Lord, increase my faith or, or that, that, that non-existent faith meter to, to spike to some measurable level that then you can achieve it, he says, do it right now with the faith that you have. Today, tomorrow, the next day, put it to work. And as you put that faith to work, I will increase it more as I fuel that faith with the powerful promises of my almighty word. So brothers and sisters in, in Christ, let that be the first step as Jesus seeks to increase our faith. Let's work with what he's already given us and put that faith to work. Amen.